0: Eleven. Ten. Then they're right on us.
1: Nine meters. Remember, short controlled bursts. Eight meters.
2: Seven. Six.
0: Can't be. That's
1: inside the room. It's reading right, man. Look. Well, you're not reading it right. Five meters, man. Four. What
2: the hell? Give me the light.
1: cemento and i think it's because it was overhyped for me okay
0: oh uh, okay
1: and i'm very sensitive of being overhyped and it's not that like, is true yeah. it's that like is a, true. don't tell me anything it's like it's i feel like it's not like i'm above anyone but i feel like it's one of my m- main weaknesses because when i used to work at fox one of the promos people screened avatar like the week before it came out before i could see it and he just came back from the screening and he dropped off some promos and he was just like, oh, it's a fucking awesome movie. I was like, gosh, damn it. So now I went watching Avatar thinking it was going to be a great movie. And I was like, it was OK. You know, that, that,
0: that that's very. And, and I mean, that, that definitely is like an influence, right? Like people's expectations are extremely important. So two examples of that is <laughs> so when I saw Book of Mormon, I mm-hmm. was expecting it to be one of the absolute like groundbreaking musicals mm-hmm. ever. And I watch it and it was hilarious, obviously funny, but it fell a little flat for me because of that like hype. Whereas Memento, it's hilarious. Me and Henry had a pre-cal teacher. And for whatever reason, one one day we decided that weekend we were going to rent movies. And Uh so we went to Mr. Finette and we're like, hey, Finette, can you recommend a movie? And he's like, well, there's this really interesting movie called Memento. And so we went in just thinking, oh, this old man told us about this movie and we're watching, and we're like, this is incredible. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Because again, it's an expectation thing. That absolutely has an influence. Like it's tough to to judge anything in the, lem- the lens of objectivity because mm-hmm. there's so many influences in all of
2: our lives. Christian, correct me if I'm wrong. I look at Christopher Nolan as almost like the modern day James Cameron. When you said influential, you're absolutely right, which gives way for like a, someone like a Christopher Nolan. James Cameron Is yes, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it this big and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to make it larger than life. I'm going to tell you a like Titanic, probably the nineties, everyone's favorite movie, not necessarily the best, everyone's favorite movie of the nineties. It defined the decade. You know what I mean? And they kept telling James Cameron. Not no, but we can't, we can't. And then it's, yes, we can. We can make a movie like this. Whereas I think Christopher Nolan does that, but with storytelling. No one's going to be able to understand it, Christopher Nolan. No one's going to be, he's like, yes, yes, they will. Memento, we're going to tell it in reverse. Mm -hmm. Tenet, you have to watch this movie two or three times to understand (laughs) what's going on. Dark Knight, you, you know what I mean, like yeah, Inception. Yeah. I mean Inception, inception right? Like it, it's the same. Like, that movie we,
0: is so complicated for so many people, but like,
2: but we watch it. People love it, right? I agree with you. He's properly rated, and I also agree with you that he's probably one of the most influential directors, especially in the last thirty years, forty years.
1: And, and when I, when I say influential, I feel like people will always remember the movie he makes. God, that's like that's not even like summarizing it. It's like. It might not be anyone's favorite movie, but they'll remember it. Does that make sense? The the thumbprint of his movies are
0: seen in other realms, either movies, television, but he's made an imprint on society that is undeniable.
2: Yeah. Uh, Real quick, I wanted to touch base on James Horner's, the late James Horner, rest in peace. Oh my God. Did you know that? I forgot. Mm -hmm. James Horner did the score for this film. A lot of issues, a lot of problems while making it basically told hey bro i don't know how to do your job but you need to do your job in x amount of time and he's like that's not the way this shit works and they're like too bad we'll mm. fire you we fire you bring someone else in and they're like not going to happen hey james horn will you come back and finish what we started <laughs> mm. that's basically in a nutshell that's
1: awesome was it because he wanted to see a cut i forget how that whole yeah. thing panned out
2: but that's how that, that's how you do a score right you have to watch the movie no
1: I mean, I don't know. You tell us, Christian. Okay, so going back to Nolan, with Hans Zimmer, he invites the scorer, the composer, on set. He lets Ooh. them read the script. Okay, so but that's that's a similar thing, right? No, but he's just like, I want you to feel like what's going on here. Well, and what then, I'm
0: saying is, like, I feel like a score has to have some idea, right? Okay.
2: Of like, what the movie's about to create a score. Yeah, I would assume, too, I would assume that the composer would have to really work close to the director and say, like, what what kind of, what do we want to do here? Yeah. And I think James Horner kind of called out James Cameron on that and was like, well, give me a cut of the film. The film wasn't ready. And it kind of snowballed from there between the two. But then they reunited and they did Titanic together, which oh. is one of the best movie scores, I think, of all time, probably. Yeah. Celine Dion.
1: The Ocarina playing in the beginning. (laughs) As a kid, I I remember I went to Best Buy. My dad took me to Best Buy and I went to the CD section. I found the soundtrack and I was just like, that's all I listened to. I would listen to it going to sleep. And because I wanted to be a space marine so bad, I would force myself to sleep with my arms at my side. (laughs) (laughs) And I still do that till this day. Nancy thinks I'm weird. Like I sleep with no pillow. A pillow on top of my serious? forehead and just like a stick. Yeah. Do
2: you wear like super short green shorts and a green yeah. like. You know, when they came out of that top? hyper chamber, I'm like, ooh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I don't. I just wear yeah. basketball shorts.
2: Would you Would you ever sleep in one of those? Like Hell just yeah. for fun?
1: No. I, I. Like as a kid, I was like, man, I want to sleep in these. And when I heard that airports in Japan had them, I was like, when I go to Japan, I'm going to sleep eight hours in one yeah. of those things. 17 <laughs> hour layover,
2: please. <laughs> Have any of y'all ever done the knife hand thing with a pen? Yeah, I've, i And again, I've never seen the movie in its entirety, and I've tried it.
1: I think any kid growing up in the '90s has. Yeah, and it could even be you haven't seen Aliens, but your bigger brother or older cousin did it sure. to you, and you're like, oh, "I'm going to do it to my friends."
2: <laughs> I've done it with a real knife one time. <laughs> no, you have not. <laughs> I, I did, and um, I got about three. Like, does d- in. And, like, my mom came into the <gasps> kitchen and was like, what are you doing? Miha. <laughs> <laughs> Miho. <Mija. laughs> <Mijo. laughs> what? Um, go ahead. Whoever put the rest of them in. Okay. So, well, so um, we already talked about the
0: tension. But what I thought was really interesting was the two mothers interaction. The queen scene where, and I'll say this, Ripley's kind of a dick. There was an understanding there. There's a moment where she sees the queen. She the her two minions come from the side. Mm -hmm. She points her flamethrower at the eggs. And the queen's like, I understand. And she tells them to back off. They back off. But by backing off, the agreement is I will let you leave. You don't touch these. You don't touch my kids. I won't touch your kid. You won't touch my kids. She looks her dead in the eye at the exit. And blast
2: them all. <laughs> she pulled a Diane Keaton in Godfather Two. This must all
1: end. <laughs> what she did, and I hate to say it, she pulled a Burke. <laughs> she pulled a Burke. Wait, Brian, but what did the eggs open as they left?
0: As they passed it, but that, but that's what set her off, and that's when she, that's when she came out of that agreement. It's like she, she went from being two mothers to now prey predator, mm-hmm. and she had to get rid of these predators. At all costs at that moment. Yeah. But there was an understanding there between two mothers
2: that we won't involve our kids in this. There was a a show of respect. Mm -hmm. I see we are both here. I see you are armed. These are my security. They Mm -hmm. will back off. And they will kill you. And they'll
0: kill you. Now, you've said you're going to hurt my kids. Okay, let's just agree that we're just going to walk away from this. She gets the exit and just like Christian said, the egg opens and she's like, nah, fam, <laughs> these motherfuckers got to go. <laughs> and she blasts every single fucking one of them. And what's crazy is none of that last scene happens. I feel like if she just
2: gets on the plane and goes, you would have left newt. No, no, she had newt. Okay, I think you were saying when they (laughs) tell Bishop like we're not leaving. You'd have been like no 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 no. At that point (laughs) she was at the exit with Newt, right? Yeah. yeah. So I feel like if she just
0: leaves, right, the Queen lets her escape, but all of her kids are intact, right? But she goes after them because she decimates all her children. So you're saying the real villain. Not the real villain, but like, <laughs> it's, it's 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 I, and I guess it goes back to the idea of war in war. There are no innocents mm-hmm. in a moment of like of like almost normality as as weird as that sounds when you're looking at an alien. It's like, these are our children. Let's just agree to leave the situation. And that, that that's how I saw it. I was like, that's really interesting.
2: That's what mm-hmm, it really is. This is the deeper plot shit that we want. It's provocative.
1: Yeah. Gets and I think the rest on. are Christians. Oh, uh, okay. So it's who is the true monster in this? So it's kind of like, is it the aliens or is it Weyland-Yutani? Why did they send a colony of people there after they know that the events of the first movie happened? You know, is it really terraforming?
2: if this movie was to stop at aliens and the rest of the movies aren't made, I would almost assume that, well, alien, the, the aliens are the true monster because they just want to use you as a host in order to multiply and go on it. But since we've seen alien three resurrection covenant, or I'm sorry, alien covenant, uh, Prometheus, it all goes back to the first movie as to why mother wanted them to go into that room with all with the thousands of eggs there you know what I mean there yeah. was a reason why so the true monster is the Weyland-Yutani corporation always knew of this existence of this particular xenomorph and so the true monster to me is Weyland-Yutani is the corporation and
0: and Burke's the embodiment of that in this movie I'll also say this about that whole like um it it, it felt a lot like Ender's game so in Ender's game right they're training these kids to fight this force that hasn't attack them in forever but they're training him and the end of the movie is basically enders thinks he's in a simulation um fighting the aliens and he ends up destroying their entire species and that's what ender struggles with is like he's like but they weren't even being aggressive we just went out there and destroyed them because of what we feared and i feel like it's similar in this in that like 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 you said why did they colonize that moon when they knew like it's like they almost went out there looking for trouble like and i think that's even more maybe solidified in the fact that burke's like oh each of these bodies is worth x amount of like millions and millions of dollars right so did they really send them in there to terramorph like christian said or were they looking for an excuse to collect specimens because when they got there there were specimens already
1: in the lab That kind of brings me to this other point here where, you know, you have the Alien franchise. I'm not going to talk about Predators, but you obviously have Prometheus. And um, I remember at the end of Prometheus, they said they're going to, what's her name again? Shaw said she's going to go to this one planet. But in like the corner, I could see LV-426. And I was like, what is that planet? Like, what's going to happen there? And I already forget the events of Alien Covenant. It wasn't on LV-426, right? I don't think it was. So that's that's where I'm so confused. I'm like, okay, I know they still have to make a third movie, but it's like, when is this all going to tie in together? You know, right. it's like, like you said, Brian, like the corporation has to know why yeah. they have to have prior knowledge even before the first Alien. Like, sure, something was over there. And so, yeah, but the first
2: Alien movie technically takes place after Prometheus. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we already know we're going to have to wind up. Getting to LV-426 at some point, yeah. Which is why I said a minute ago, Whalen Utani is the monster of this, or sure. is, is the true sure. monster because they want to get their hands on this species. So,
1: so I did. I did cover the loss, the loss and struggles of Ripley. I mean, mm-hmm. just watching it again, um, I think it's interesting, especially like having, you know, lived more life of my own about loss and struggles. Mm-hmm. Like, um, even just like working day to day or changing jobs. But like, imagine being asleep and like seeing that the life you thought you had was gone and then you lose your certification. It's like, I wouldn't have a cigarette that's like this long. <laughs> gosh, you know, it's like, <laughs> I feel like that scene is so iconic to me where she just has the close up of the cigarette.
2: Like she has like the boniest fingers ever <laughs> holding like she looks like a meth head holding a cigarette <laughs> with the longest ash not broken off or anything like that. It's, it's just- like
1: I don't know. it's it's just very interesting. I felt like i I relate more less to the action, but more to Ripley's struggle. And I don't know if it's because I guess I'm more mature than I was the day before, but you know, sure, <sighs> I found that very interesting. Um, the psych evaluations they talk about, like if anyone needed a psych evaluation, it'd be Hudson. Uh, going back to that That i feel like i would be hudson if i was in that situation (laughs) you know i would just be like everything's falling apart we gotta do something he 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 fell apart real fast (laughs) what are y'all's thoughts on neil blomkamp's um sequels to aliens
2: are they gonna do it still
1: at this point i don't think so there was talk and brian i'm not sure if you, you know about this there was talk of neil blomkamp who did District 9, Elysium. Uh, (laughs) What's that robot movie? Oh,
2: God. iRobot? No. Um,
1: No. um, Chappie. 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 So I feel like Chappie was a nail in the coffin. But before that, Neil Blomkamp was slated to do a sequel to James Cameron Aliens, basically Mm. supplanting Alien 3, which David David Fincher already disowns. He had concept art done. I think everybody knows his visual style, which is very nitty gritty, but it's very, what's what's the word? Graphic.
2: The storyboards that, that showed like what it could look like was, I got excited. Yeah. Super excited. This was like 2017, like 2016, 2017, right? When they mm-hmm. kind of thinking about this was going to happen.
1: So Sigourney Weaver was basically signed on board to do it. Uh, Michael Bean was going to come back as a dis- disfigured uh, Hicks.
2: Dude, that dude just wants to get back in. He's like,
1: <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll do anything, man. I would just want to be back in this franchise. But, but it died. So, I mean, this is, I guess, more about a question. How do you guys feel about Neil Blomkamp helming an Alien sequel to Aliens?
2: As long as it's not J.J. Abrams. <laughs> Sorry, that's kind of a shot to a couple of people on the podcast that would laugh at that, but.
1: Hey, I had a lot of faith in JJ. Um, After Lost, who didn't? I like Star Trek. Started the first Star Trek was good. I like the first Star Trek. And I think the first Star Wars was okay. Now, Rogue One, I don't know.
0: <gasps> you, you didn't like Rogue One?
2: You're not no. Rogue One?
1: No, I think Rogue, Rogue, Rogue One. One is my favorite Star Wars movie.
2: Oh, okay, 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 okay.
1: <laughs> like you
2: can down. stay, sir. You may stay. <laughs> Rogue One is the best Star Wars
0: movie I've it's ever. It's good. I mean, it's not the best, but it's good. It's the best. Okay, cool.
1: So, I mean, I don't know. Neil Blomkamp's doing YouTube movies or YouTube videos. They look amazing. They're all in 4K. But I think that's his way of just staying creative until he could land a a gig. It's very interesting.
2: I was excited. I'm still going to hold out hope. We're bringing everything back. Let's just continue something. I I don't give a shit if Sigourney Weaver or Michael Biehn are in their 60s. I don't care. (laughs) I don't. They can fall asleep Figured for another it fifty-seven Figured years.
0: Yeah. Figure.
2: Bring back Carrie Hen. The, yeah. They no. They were on.
0: They were on the the thing, but like it kind of leaked a little bit. So now It didn't. It <laughs> They <it laughs> aged it, it a little preserve, bit. Yeah. It didn't preserve them as well it should have, and they're
1: just a little bit older. Well, if you know, if it ever does get greenlit and they go through with it, I hope they don't do the multi universe thing. You know. That would be weird. Yeah. I hope they just write off Alien Three as a this never happened type of thing.
2: You guys want to get into some awards real quick? Let's do it. We'll fire through these. So Christian, we have this award. If you haven't caught on, it's the Toby Maguire, Jordana Brewster award. We thought that Toby Maguire was the absolute worst actor we've ever seen when we did an episode for, um, Great Gatsby. And then Jordana Brewster and all the Fast and Furious movies. Just is like, sorry, girl. Like, I know you're trying, but so for the worst acting performance in this movie, you kick us off, Christian.
1: I I think it's because it, it made an impact on me. I think it's the nurse, and I know she's like not an A list actor, but it's just that running in slow motion. And I know they probably ADR would it where she they told her to grunt in slow motion, and the best performance she could do was. Nah! It was like a gluttal. Like, the
0: best part about that is in the outline, Christian has a G at the <laughs> no. beginning of nah, like like the like the like the African animal NGU like a new but. Nah. So he put a G in front
1: of there. It was just so awkward. So like watching it as kids, we, we'd all mimic that. Like when we're running, that was me growing up. But as far as like the main actors, I guess, private frost, he just seemed like he wasn't really in it. And I guess that that was the angle he was taking it.
2: Yeah. I I do like his one line. The, I guess she didn't like the cornbread neither. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's the, but other than that, yeah, it's kind of like,
1: I guess he just wasn't as he just didn't have as big or flamboyant of a character as the other Space Marines. Yeah. You know, he seemed very normal.
2: Yeah. What about yours?
0: I picked Gorman.
1: Like, I know he's
0: supposed to be kind of awkward, but it just did. It like the beginning of his performance just fell flat for me. Like it almost felt like somebody that was like an acting class and was just like running through like improv. I don't know. I think he was trying too hard. Certain aspects. Yeah, exactly. Like. Like in the like, dropship, and just that's what I'm saying. Like it felt like an imp, like you know, like you just trying some stuff. I don't know.
2: So my pick is I'm going to preface what I just said a second ago about Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire in The Great Gatsby just feels like he's in a different movie. When really the person I'm choosing, I'm just saying him because I want an excuse to talk about him for just a second. I put Apone because I really think that the actor that plays Apone Al Matthews, Vietnam vet. Mm. been there. It's like he's in a different movie.
0: It, it, <laughs> it's it's like he's taking this shit
2: in serious. It's like he's in platoon. Right. Yeah. He's like, We're, this is real, guys. Yeah. He actually helped in the training of the Colonial Marines oh, pre-filming. Wow. wow. I just want to talk about him because his he's really going for it in yeah. every single scene. Assholes and elbows. Hudson, come here. Come like it's just, dude. You are in apocalypse now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We he's just in a different movie, but I I enjoyed him. I I would like to have seen like him live. Why not? Yeah. But like you said, yeah, he wasn't gonna make it. Okay. (laughs) The Alonzo Harris Award for the best acted scene.
0: So I put the moment when they're like cutting through the grate. And then Newt gets taken and like, you can just feel that, that loss again, that Sigourney Weaver's feeling. It was almost like the whole first part of this movie was like a redemption for her in terms of like being a mother, being a caregiver. Like it's obvious that her only goal in this is to get Newt out alive. Right. And at that moment she loses her again, like her, her daughter, you know, and I I really felt that there. So that's what I picked for my best scene.
1: I think mine ties to Dow's Dow's scene. So, you know, she preps her weapons and she has all the technology. And once she finds that transponder, it's that flat line tone. It's just like the aliens took it off and it's just on the floor. And you know, how is she gonna know where she is now? You know? Yeah.
2: Can we talk about real quick how badass that scene is in the? L- Fun fact about this: Dad, I don't know if you know this movie. When she saves Hicks and she puts him into the. Uh, into the drop ship, he goes, Hey, in 14 minutes, this planet's going to be, see a blast the size of Nebraska from that point on to the minute they leave. It's exactly. 14 I was going to say, I was going to say it felt like a long
0: 14 minutes, but that's <laughs> awesome that they did that. It,
2: it is timed exactly. And then with you have the, you now have faith yeah. or 10 minutes until whatever, whatever, I want to talk about the elevator scene when she gets the flamethrower and the pulse rifle, grenades, the flares, and she tapes it. I, As a kid, I grew up playing like with like toy machine guns. I would do that because of this movie. I would yeah. put two guns together because I was like, oh, Ripley did it. I can do it too. <laughs> and like when me and my dad would like play fight with guns, I had mine like taped with electrical tape.
1: I feel like gorilla tape or duct tape should do a commercial with that.
2: Like how Die Hard battery is doing the Die yeah, Hard, the die hard. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That ties into my best scene actually. When Ripley decides fuck it and she just starts shooting up the nest, the grunt she makes and then all of a sudden the music comes in uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then the like she just starts firing away and then you just see the counter counting down and yeah. you're like oh my god, oh my god. It's a fucking work of art. Just incredible filmmaking to me, the way they cut it, the way they edit it, and just how it all comes together. Yeah. Because that was one of the big things that, that James Horner was running into was the timing of my music is off because you're deciding to cut and give me different pieces of the movie. So I don't know when you want, but somehow or another, they came together and that scene right there is probably like the best scene to me of this movie. And the reason we call it the Alonzo Harris Award is because the it's the King Kong don't have shit on me. <laughs> yeah, I'll, ex- I'll explain the rest of these okay the ac law the fourth award do you know who AC christian, Law? christian f- christian just picked
0: one having no idea what that <laughs> he's right impressive. that's a great pick yeah
2: christian what's yours
1: uh michael bean
2: <laughs> it's true
0: <laughs> so let's, let's explain this for christian so ac law was a basketball player at AM when brian and i were in school okay and the run that he had in college was incredible. So you, do you know Kevin Durant? Yeah. Okay. Christian literally knows nothing about sports, like nothing. nothing. So for him to know Kevin Durant tells you how big (laughs) Kevin Durant is. Like, but like he beat Kevin Durant's Texas team when Kevin Durant was at Texas. Mm -hmm. He made Kevin Durant his bitch. Yeah. Like he took us to the tournament. We almost made uh, the elite eight, which had like, like our basketball team, was a laughingstock. And all of a sudden, this kid comes in and just takes our team and, like, makes a run in the tournament that is unprecedented even to this day for our team. And he gets drafted extremely high in the draft and is just terrible in the NBA. (laughs) So we have two, we have two definitions for this. It's either an actor who has, like, a breakout role Uh or one that has, like, a peak and then just falls off the face of the earth. (laughs) So you picking Michael P. It's perfect.
2: It really is. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: that well, that's the thing. After seeing him in Terminator and then seeing him in Aliens, like I would ask my dad, I'm like, "What other movies is he in? Like, I want to watch those movies." You know, it was either watch a Sigourney Weaver movie, a Michael Bean movie, or J- James Cameron movie. That was like my my format as a kid. That's awesome. That's and, so funny. And there are just no Michael Bean movies to to watch. And then and then Ryan and I picked Jeanette Goldstein. Who's
0: Vasquez. And now I also want to talk about this. We can leave this out. But like, is that like brown face? Yes, it is. Okay. <laughs> it is. She is. Because I, I looked at her IMD, fo- IMDb photo. And even if like, okay, you could understand if it was like Goldstein, but like that's her dad and her mom is like, but like, no, like
1: she is a Goldstein. <laughs> like, <laughs> And you're like, what? She's European, <laughs> right? I don't know. Well, I mean, but it was definitely Jewish. It wasn't until years later that I think my sister pointed out that she's John Connor's stepmom in Terminator 2. Yep. And I was like, wait, that's Vasquez? I was like, hold on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> she also has a small role in Titanic. She the the two the little kids that are like, oh, no, dear, we must do this. She plays like a little Irish lady that like so she's
0: definitely doing brown faces, what you're saying, because <laughs> there were no brown people on the Titanic
2: even in the coal mines down below. <laughs> it really should be Michael Bean. It really yeah. should. Now that now that we was, talk about because okay. there's only two there's there's three movies I can think of after aliens that, that come to mind. I can see Michael Bean in. Tombstone, I think he had like a small minor role in Tombstone. Um this really bad good it's a really good bad movie. Called the Art of War with Les- with Wesley Snipes. Oh, I, is he the bad guy? He's the bad guy. That's Michael.
1: Ball.
0: Look at him. That's him. I I like that movie. Me too. It's a it's a it's good. A, bad I've seen it's, that
2: movie. It's a good bad movie. It's a Donald, good bad movie. Wesley Donald Wesley Sutherland's was. in it. The Mark Wahlberg Award for the best acting performance. Now, Christian, let me explain to you why we gave it. To, we call it the Mark Wahlberg Award. We did this movie once called Three Kings, and we we're like, you know what? Mark Wahlberg's not that bad in this movie. <laughs> So we were like, we should name, like as a joke, we'll name an acting award after him. So we did. It's pretty fucking obvious who this is. Yeah,
1: yeah. For a million dollars.
2: One <laughs> 18th of the budget. Exactly. She crushes it. Yeah. I'm really glad as someone who has in the last, actually always, I've always appreciated the Oscars. For the most part, you can look at nominees and you can look at, at, at who wins and you're like, okay, I get it. I understand it. No, the 90s is full of nominees and movies that you're like, I don't know what this is. I've never heard of this. I don't care about this. None of this is mainstream. So for them, 35 years ago to look back and say, hey, with what she had to go through in making this movie and the performance that she gives, I'm really, really glad that they recognized her for this. Sigourney Weaver deserved it. Yeah. I love her in Baby Mama. Have you ever seen that?
0: <laughs> yes, where she's the 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 owner of the company of the, the surrogate company or whatever. I loved her in
2: Dave. Yes, great in Dave. Yeah, I'm a Sigourney Weaver fan.
0: Heartbreakers.
2: Oh, I forgot about that. Wait, wait, <laughs> Heartbreakers. That's Susan Sarandon. No, that's I'm thinking. No, it's not. I'm thinking of a different movie.
0: Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sigourney Weaver. Yes, you're right.
2: Quotes, quotes.
1: Sure. I think it's funny and it establishes the future relationship when Burke is like trying to explain to her, convince her to go to the planet. And she, she's like, can I finish? And she's like, no, she's like, I'm not going. I just think that was so funny. I, it was just so. It's great acting. Blunt. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Again, it's Ripley. The, the, not the courtroom, the conference room scene when she's just talking about how everything's just so frivolous and it's just all bullshit. Yeah. Um, Vasquez is. <laughs> Say it, go for it. Well, I mean, the, it's it's mainly Pharaoh's. It's like, apparently, she saw an alien once. And then Hudson's like, what do you fucking do? It's like, nobody yeah. cares. Like, nobody, nobody cares. cares. Especially after all the events of the first movie. It's like, these people clearly don't care. Um, you have Hicks. It's just Marines who are leaving. I don't know. It's when I was a kid, When after recess, when we all had to go to classroom, we'd all yell that, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, it was. Dang. My friends and I watched that movie. Like It defined, like are summer or summers plural. We have Hudson. What do you mean they cut the power? They're animals. It's <laughs> it's funny because he's still. It feels yeah. like he's still freaking out, and he still doesn't fully realize the threat. Yeah, they are. he thinks they're still bugs.
2: But, yeah, but in a way, I kind of got it though. I was like, we exactly how could they cut the power? They <laughs> like are they smart enough to understand to cut the power? But maybe they are because like Brian brought up earlier that I never thought about. There was that. Meeting between the two moms, very,
0: very, very like intellectual.
2: Right. I didn't realize maybe that perhaps their intelligent level, their intelligence level, is much higher than what I thought. So I was a Hudson on that one.
1: I feel like in in the fourth movie they exploit that. So remember they have the aliens trapped in cubes. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And they have three aliens trapped inside one little cell, and the two are just like
2: they turn on one of them in order to escape because the acid B- acid for blood.
1: So they kill their own. So that the acid will like leak through the floor and get it. interesting. But I feel like that was like an easy out. <laughs> Cause it was like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like almost like cartoon grunting. Um, Hicks, when he says, when he takes out a shotgun, he's like, I like to keep this for close encounters because I feel like that's like a, a jab at Spielberg. And I, I'm not saying James Cameron and Steven Spielberg have animosity between them. But, you know, it's not like a nice alien movie where you're supposed to, like, work together or or learn from each other. And then there's also that scene. What is it? Oh, before she seals the tunnel and watching this as a kid, my sister would always laugh because they're giving uh, Bishop his like little laptop and his flashlight. And this Vasquez gives him a gun. And he kind of stares at it. And then he hands it back to Ripley. He's like, I don't need this. I'm an android. Like,
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> I could fight them or they won't even sense me. Like they know I'm of no use to their you know." or
0: do they <laughs>
1: <laughs> or do they. But I think it's so funny how like Bishop stays in his role as not a fighter.
0: I thought the scene where he went in the tunnel was extremely interesting because like if anybody else would have gone in there like that's so claustrophobic. Yeah, he just does it with the str- like he's just like, OK, we're going. We're going, we're going. And he keeps that straight face of like what you'd expect from like an Android in that situation. He's like, this is my objective. I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it. But like you, like I felt like in there like tight, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he does it. He's like, it's going to take me 40 minutes to get down there.
2: To do shimmy for 40 minutes.
0: Yeah. And then they sealed
2: you in. They welded
0: you shut. Like they shut it. And then she starts. And I'm like, oh my God. But he keeps that face. Yeah. And you know, he was in there. This is 86. There is no virtual background. Right. Like he's in a pipe. Yeah. I love that
1: when he's shimmying, you could see the welding light behind him. Yep. Yep. I was like, that's so interesting.
0: They show show her welding it and then it cuts to him and you see the light like, yeah.
2: Behind. One thing I wanted to mention and I didn't mention earlier when we were talking about where the, the first firefight occurred, but it same thing. Or that power plant is a decommissioned power plant. It serves as Axis Chemicals in Yeah Tim Burton's I, I, Batman. Did you read that? I
0: read that on the X-ray because I was watching it on Prime. Oh. And I thought I, and I was like doing something with the settings and then I read it and I was like, I saw Batman. I was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, Oh yeah, it's the same scene as when he falls in the vat.
1: That's funny.
0: One scene that I thought was really sweet was when Newt, when they're when they're back and they're planning what they're gonna do and Newt keeps jumping to see. And then Hicks just ever so gently, like lifts her up and puts her on the table. Cause like at, I felt like that was a nod to like, I remember when Hudson was like 17 hours, how are we going to do this? Or 17 days. It's like, we're not gonna last 17 hours. Yeah. And then Ripley's like, this little girl survived by herself with no training. And I felt that was like Hicks giving her like, you can sit at the table too.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And I thought that was like really sweet. I love the Drake check your camera. There seems to be a malfunctioning just like hits the side of his head. And she's like, yeah, you got it. Like good. <laughs> uh, and then when uh, Ripley was like, I don't know what species or like, yeah, what species is worse or whatever after the whole like Burke thing. I thought that was like and again, I think that's a nod to like, who's the true villain of this?
2: You, know you don't I mean? see them fucking each other over for a goddamn yeah.
0: percentage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
2: that's good. Those are good. Mine are very, I didn't really put any scenes. I just put the quotes. I watched this as a young, as a young kid. And I, anytime my dad wanted something, I'd always say I affirmative like new does (laughs) as she does that. Uh, My dad would do the same thing to me. Um, (laughs) Assholes and elbows. Yeah. I love that. A phone says that. And then to me, the, the most iconic line, get away from her. You bitch. Yeah. Oh, that, that gives me chills even now <laughs> like that. Yeah. And then um, last one, it's on here. I can't do it and I want to, but I know my dad will listen to this episode. Dad used to always make the. Oh, noise really? To like scare the shit out of me. When, like when I was a kid, <laughs> like in the dark and be like, dad, where I can't like, where's the light? He just make the fucking alien noise. And I would be like, stop it. Like, stop. <laughs> My mom would be like, leave him alone. <laughs> My dad would be like, he looks like a little bitch. Like he's just, you know, like, got me in trouble. My dad. is awesome. Uh, a couple little things I wanted to mention. Fun fact, Sigourney Weaver, huge anti-gun person. Okay. Jeanette Goldstein <laughs> had never fired a weapon in her life until she did this movie.
1: Whoa. That's funny.
2: That's pretty badass.
1: Real quick. So like this movie was shot with a set of lenses called Canon K-35s. K-35s are basically cinema versions of Canon FDs, which are still photography lenses before Canon came out with their modern lenses. And what I, especially after watching the movie again, I did notice that because these lenses aren't made, they're made for a bigger frame set for still photography, but because the movie was shot on Super 35 or 35mm, 35 the angle of view is more narrow. And watching the movie, it feels more claustrophobic. So you only yeah. have, I think, two or three wide shots in the movie. And even then, they physically had to move the camera back. It wasn't like a wide-angle lens. Oh.
2: And, I, I now want to rewatch this to go see that.
1: And I really felt that watching it, not just when they're like in the tunnels, but also this one scene when she wakes up and she sees the two like acrylic drums, wet drums, empty. Just that mm-hmm. long telephoto shot, like of the drum was just dropped and the face huggers are in here. I was like, wow, this feels like it was shot with like a 50 millimeter and like a 70 or like an A6300, you know?
2: Do you know any of that, Brian, what we're talking about? Uh Yeah, B52, <laughs> c 356
0: Like, yeah, I got you.
1: But it just, I feel like it just helps. Like, you never have a wide, expansive view. Unless it's like the exterior of a ship or like. Sure. And
0: I, and I think that goes back to the feeling of like, it's always impending. It's always impending. You're just waiting. You're just waiting. Like everything's like right in front of you, but it's also like so far away. Like, I like it, it, it goes back to the point of like when they had the motion tracker and they're like 50 feet, 20 feet like five yards and they're like no that's right on top of us how are they Mm -hmm. right on top of us and it's always that that, like like, the room yeah it's just like you just always feel like like it's almost like you have to you have to you have to turn around to see like make sure that nothing's behind you like yeah it creates that like that like um urgency there's always urgency in this movie right
2: like Mm -hmm. there's always urgency maybe it's the cinematography that i'm talking about then now that you bring that up where i said how come they don't make action movies like this and maybe it's because uh, i mean the directing and storytelling yes but you always feel like you are in the shit with them you always like it it does make you feel like you are in there with you because there aren't those wide shots you know in most action movies there's an explosion and it, it takes you out and it puts you back in this yeah. you're in the explosion you're you're there uh, alien blows up by you you know what i mean
0: That's, it's just yeah
2: like yeah, there was never a shot of like a marine shooting from across the way. It
0: was them shooting, and then the close up of the alien blowing up,
1: mm-hmm. right? Or yeah. even like the only quote unquote aerial shot was a shot of the TV monitor of what the ship was doing—an actual aerial survey over, right? You like, mm-hmm. never got like a like a four hundred or hundred meter overhead view of the colony, it, and like when they were moving from one area of the colony to another it was just an on-ground shot watching the APC move. So I feel like I felt very claustrophobic watching it as a kid. And I guess not so much in the sense of I feel claustrophobic, but it was like frustrating to not be able to see like the entire world. And I think that's something we're spoiled with these days. You get that sweeping drone shot of, you know, whatever sci-fi or even like rom-com now, you know? So I
0: was going to bring this up, but I, I hesitated to because obviously it's not fitting, but like, I go back to almost the, epi- the another community shout out when they did the bottle episode where they do the episode that only happens in one room and the entire episode's in one room. And in the middle of it, they even called it like, they're like, this is a bottle episode. And like, that's what this felt like. It felt like it only ever happened in like the tightest of spaces in one room. And I know that's silly because obviously there's different sets. They're in different parts, but it always felt like you were just in one spot. Like you never got to like, breathe or move or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to say that, but that's so interesting when you bring up the idea of that lens and how it narrowed everything. Cause that's what I felt like. I felt like we were in a bottle movie, like where it's just, you're inside this like ecosystem that's so small, even though you're in different areas and they move through different parts of the colony or you're even on the ship originally before they go, but it always
1: felt very like contained and small. I think part of that is you never saw the aliens point of view of this situation. It was always over the Marines shoulder point of
2: view. Yeah. That was something cool that I thought Fincher did in, in alien three was that was the yeah. first time you ever saw the point of view of what the alien, what the, how the alien viewed us and looked Thought that was interesting yeah. in a good way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, on a scale of one to four Dow, what do you give this movie? So for me, being like a first
0: time watcher and not having the same pull from a childhood, I think I give it a three, like a three and a half, maybe, you know what I mean? Like to take a page from y'all's book, Mm -hmm. like it was so interesting to see things in pop culture that I never necessarily got to experience the source material for Mm -hmm. in this movie. And it was kind of like how with Devil Wears Prado when that was my first watch and I got to experience where Michael got all of that Mm -hmm. stuff from in that episode. (laughs) But like there's so many things in pop culture like you talk about like, you know, the power loader and then the ammo, like the whole Halo thing like that. Mm -hmm. Like I remember that scene with the bullets going down and it was definitely reminiscent of like Halo and stuff. And Mm -hmm. so but for me, I don't have that like pull where it like shaped my life like you know like because you you hadn't seen this movie like sure so like I've given you know like the movies that I've given fours have been extremely impactful in my life in some way so for me it's like a three three and a half like it's definitely great but I just can't give it that four because for me personally it didn't have that same pull yeah I respect that
2: completely (laughs) Christian what you got
1: I'll say it's a solid four even watching it again it's still a good movie I mean there are movies that I watch or they're not as great as I thought they were. Mm-hmm. But then there are other movies that I watched that just keep getting better. And kind of like uh, an admission is <laughs> like wild, wild west. That's a movie that I hated when I saw it the first time. And then as I kept watching it, I started liking it more because it's that where were script, you season one? That script wouldn't get past these days. No, it would. <laughs> Antonio, <not.
0: laughs> you have an ally in arms.
2: <laughs> no, not Antonio. Brandon. <laughs> Oh, Brandon. That's
0: Brandon right. Sorry. One Brandon, Brandon, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm yeah, last. Antonio hated. That's right. Sorry. No, you're good. I wasn't on that episode either. So,
2: um, I it's if I could give it higher than a four, I would. It's but <laughs> on our ratings, it's a four. It really is in my top five favorite movies of all time. I grew up with this movie, I love this movie. Like you just said, Christian, there have been a few. So, the theme of this season is we're looking back at movies 5, 10, 15, 20. 25 up to 35 years ago okay Okay. anniversaries 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 is basically it is there's been some movies we've done i've looked back at and been like not as good as i remember you know what i mean
1: yeah
2: this movie is i hadn't seen it since we before we started doing this podcast and we started this about a year ago i was a little nervous Going in, thinking, is it what I remember it being? Is sure. it how I built it up in my mind for so many years? It's 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 like meeting your sports hero in real life. <laughs> yes. You hope
0: that they they meet your expectation. And Jeff Bagwell did. And aliens. <laughs> I saw did him in the well. subway once. Really?
2: He got double meat. My man. Yeah. Just like me. Look, man of the people. <laughs> aliens held up. I love it. I absolutely love it. I would recommend everyone in the entire world to see this movie it's a four solid four for me y'all want to do a quick little fmk you know what fmk
0: is christian yes okay
2: this is gonna be rapid fire so i didn't you any- gotta go with your gut instinct gut instinct no okay. thinking i'm just kidding i'm just kidding we think all the time you <laughs> we do out, but we think. We're, gonna, we're gonna do rapid
1: though yeah
2: hicks hudson bishop you gotta fuck one marry one kill one go rapid fire rapid <laughs>
1: fire <laughs> oh it's me yeah Anybody, uh, both okay. of y'all just go in. I'd marry Bishop, <laughs> uh, I'd fuck Hudson <laughs> and I'd kill Hicks. Maybe I'll, I'm thinking too much now. It's, it. it's too, late. Yeah, that's it's too, late. you already said it. You're, <laughs> you're
0: committed, you're committed. So I do the same thing as Christian, except I switch the fuck in the kill. <laughs> you would kill Bishop? No, you marry Bishop. Oh, I'm sorry, you, you would, oh, we'd swap Hicks and Hudson. Hudson and Hicks, yeah, Hicks and Hudson. <laughs> So I I fuck uh, Hicks and I kill Hudson. Hudson's a little bitch. And there's no twisters in this movie. So, do I really need that guy?
2: (laughs) I would pull a Ripley and ultimately I would fuck Hudson, marry Hicks, kill Bishop. Okay. Could you imagine robot? Could you imagine fucking Bishop? Robot dick? Oh my God. I mean, it would never end. It's like Twilight. (laughs) 哈 (laughs) Ha <laughs> <laughs>